Thank you, Steve, and the uh, worship group. That was, that was great. Um, I want to talk to you a bit about doubt this morning. Um, we all have doubts, don't we? Um, I sometimes uh, wake up and think, I really hope this is all true. Um, like you, you know, we have doubts. We wrestle with questions, don't we? Uh, doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. There is a kind of positive form of doubt, a kind of believing doubt, which asks questions seeking greater understanding. Um, if you don't have questions as a Christian, I'd be really, really surprised, quite frankly. If you've got it all worked out, if you could let me know, I'd be really interested to hear from you because I've got a whole heap of questions. And we see this kind of positive questioning, believing doubt in Mary. After the angel Gabriel told Mary that she would conceive and give birth to a son and name him Jesus, she responds with a question. Um, why wouldn't you? Um, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Uh, good question. Now, for Luke, this is not a question arising from unbelief. It was a question of faith seeking greater understanding. How do we know that? Well, we know that Mary had faith, even though she didn't understand, because in Luke 1 verse 38, she says this, may it be to me as you have said, I am the Lord's servant. So Mary has no idea how all of this is going to work out. Um, you know, just the local community, when she said, oh, by the way, we're having a baby and I'm a virgin, They'd be like, oh, right, okay, yeah. You know, Mary must have had all sorts of questions bubbling around in her mind, all sorts of doubts. And yet she says, may it be to you, to me, as you have said. She trusts, despite her doubts and questions. So it's okay to ask questions as a Christian. Um, if you've got an answer for the mystery of suffering, then I'd love to hear from you because I don't. Okay, um, this is one we're going to have to grapple with all of our days on earth. We, there are some things that we just have to accept are mysteries, and we will be wrestling and grappling with these topics all the days of our lives. But it's okay to ask questions and, like Mary, to ponder these things. That's a wonderful phrase, isn't it? Ponder these things. It's okay to research more um if you're anything like me if you've got questions you you don't tend to just park them and leave them you tend to find out more um i don't know if you're an inquiring sort of person um but it's i think it's a really good idea for example around around suffering um talk to people who suffer long term get to know them find out what are the pressures on them what are the what are the struggles that they face what are the doubts that they face? Seek to go deeper in your understanding. Don't just sort of say, well, this is my experience. Go and sit with those who suffer long-term and hear their story. Deepen your understanding. And be encouraged by those who suffer and yet hold on to faith with great joy. I find there are so many people in this church who blow me away with their strength and faith in the face of long-term suffering. I can't tell you how encouraged I am by people who hold on to faith with, with 
you know, with deep trust in the face of suffering. I am so encouraged in my own Christian walk by them and I thank God for them and I pray for them. But there is also an unhealthy, unbelieving form of doubt, a kind of weary cynicism that can creep in, you know, that's, that, that can lead to unbelief. Um, and that's something I think we need to guard against. It is good to ask questions. It is good to have doubts that lead us to go deeper in our faith and explore things. But Zechariah, I think, had moved from a kind of healthy questioning doubt to a cynical, weary, uh, unbelieving doubt. Um, and he asked this question, doesn't he? When, when the angel visited him in the temple and said, you're going to give birth to a son and you're going to name him John. This is what he said. How can I be sure of this? Now, all commentators on the Gospel of Luke say the same thing. Behind this question, how can I be sure of this? He is asking for proof. He's asking for a sign. He's really saying, look, I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. There's no way that this is going to happen. So to show that this is really going to come true, you're going to need to give me a sign, some proof. That's what all the commentators say is behind his question. And actually, the angel Gabriel sees through to Zechariah's heart. Listen to this in verse 20. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. Well, like Mary, Zechariah questioned God, questioned the angel. How can, this, how can I be sure of this? But unlike Mary, Zechariah's doubt and questioning is coming from an unhealthy place of unbelief. He doesn't believe the message, the promise that the angel's giving him. He's wanting total proof, a, sure, a sureness of a sign. And he gets a sign, but it's not the one he wants, isn't it? The angel says to him, um, you're not going to be able to speak. Um, the angel said, no, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. So he, he clearly had believed at one time that God was going to answer his prayer. This is what the angel says. But I think what's going on here is that in recent years, in more recent years, the older that him and Zech uh, Elizabeth got, the, the more unbelief and cynicism and weariness had crept into his soul. And he tipped over from healthy questioning doubt into unbelieving doubt. He'd stopped believing the prayers that he'd once prayed. And so he is rendered deaf and mute. He can't speak and he can't hear. Presumably so that he can reflect on God's promises. He, he is, he's unable to speak as a sign of um, that he will have to meditate and ponder on God's promises and grow deeper in his faith. So there is a healthy sort of questioning belief um, that, and doubt that leads us to go deeper. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. But so long as we hold on to trust, so long as in the questions and the mysteries and the, the answers that we don't have, we say to God, as Mary did, may it be to me as you have said. I trust you. I'm your servant. It's okay to live with that tension, to live with those questions. What we need to guard our hearts against is the sort of cynicism and unbelief 
um, that Zechariah moved into. We need to guard our hearts. Um, interesting that Elizabeth and Zechariah are both faithful, devout believers. They're mature believers. They're described by Luke as, you know, committed, faithful followers. But even mature, faithful believers can sometimes become cynical and weary and unbelieving. And Zechariah certainly did. Um, we often have questions for God, don't we? And um, I remember a few months ago, I was uh, walking down the road and I had a particular question that I was wrestling with. And God questioned me. Do you, do you often find that when you have questions for God, he often returns with a question. And uh, I was wrestling with this particular question. And uh, as I was walking along, I felt God say to me, yeah, but do you love me? <laughs> Which seemed a bit odd because I was asking him a question and he said, he kept saying, but do you love me? And I think it's okay to have questions but I think the more fundamental question God is asking us is, okay, I hear your questions, but do you love me? I know you have doubts. I know you're wrestling. I know you're struggling, but do you love me? That's even more fundamental than getting the answers that we want. We may or may not come to a place of rest and peace about particular struggles we have. But God simply says, do you love me? You loving me is more important than me answering your questions. Um, there's, a there's a couple of lessons I want us to learn from Zechariah. First, God can grow our faith if we trust him in the mystery of suffering. That's number one. God can grow our faith if we trust him in the mystery of suffering. There is good news even for people like Zechariah, whose unbelief, um, whose um, doubt has become unbelief and cynicism. God didn't reject Zechariah. He did discipline him for nine months where he couldn't speak. But Zechariah was taken deeper in his faith. He had to learn to trust God all over again as he couldn't hear or speak. He had to meditate silently again, all, all over again on the promises of God. So God has work to do, even in the mature, faithful believers. Um, none of us have arrived, have we? None of us are fully mature and perfect in Christ. We're all on a learning curve. We're all on a journey. Zechariah was faithful, devout, but he was on a, a learning curve. He was on a journey of going deeper. Um, particularly around the mystery of suffering, um, we often don't understand why God allows us to go through the things that we do in life. It's, it's a mystery. But God says, will you trust me in the mystery? Um, there's a, a really helpful illustration from C.S. Lewis um, from his book, Mere Christianity. This is what he says. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild the house of your life. At first, perhaps you understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You know that these jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation that he is building quite a different house than the one you thought of. He's throwing out a new wing here 
He's putting on an extra floor there. He's running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace in you. He intends to come and live in it himself. Do you feel sometimes that God is knocking the walls down of your life? Well, he's building a palace, a residence in you. Second, we we learn from Zechariah, God can restore joyful faith even where unbelief has come into our lives. He did it for Zechariah. He can do it for us. You see, God had not finished with Elizabeth and Zechariah. They were mature. They were elderly. They were faithful, but they still had to grow in their faith. I think sometimes as believers, we think, you know, I've gone about as far as I can go. There's not nothing else for me to learn. I can't grow anymore. And that's dangerous. God doesn't want us to plateau in our faith. He wants us to keep growing, to keep going deeper in our faith. Um, And that certainly was the case for Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth. Um, After long months of pregnancy and hard hours of labor, the elderly Elizabeth had her baby and the whole town came together to to celebrate. That was how it worked. It was a public event. The child would be brought um, and circumcised at the temple and presented at the temple. Everybody in the village would come to this thing. And on the eighth day, it was time for John the Baptist, their son, to be circumcised. And according to the law in Genesis that God gave uh, Abraham, the circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It was a sign that John belonged to the covenant community. We don't uh, have this anymore, thankfully, do we? But it was a sign that the child belonged to the covenant community of Israel. And the people of the village would expect Elizabeth um, and Zechariah to name their child John, because that what, that's what you did. It's a bit like in the States where you have um, John the Third or John Junior. That was what they would expect, that he would be called um, Zechariah. But the, the angel had told them that actually you're going to name this child John. It's not going to be Zechariah Junior or Zechariah the Second. He's going to be John. And the people in the village are not happy because Elizabeth is not playing by the rules. She should be naming him Zechariah Jr. So Elizabeth breaks all the rules. So they go to the father. Of course, the father can't speak. He's been rendered deaf and dumb. So he writes it on a tablet. His name is John. Now he's become as trusting God as his wife. Um, When before he'd been struck deaf and dumb because he wouldn't believe, now he believes and he writes his name is John. And as soon as Zechariah writes his name is John, look at what happens, verse 64. His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak praising God. So Zechariah's unbelief has come to an end. He's learned in these nine months of reflection and quietness to trust God. And he writes, his name is John. So Zechariah shows that even godly people can go deeper in their trust with God. Even godly people can learn through suffering and trial that God has more for them. 
and for Zechariah and Elizabeth, their growth came through personal suffering. And often God grows us through suffering. And thirdly and lastly, God can bring us fresh joy through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes as Christians, we plateau and we become weary and cynical. Anybody as a Christian ever become weary and cynical? You don't have to answer, it's okay. We accept things the way they are. We go, us oh, just the way it is, don't we? We become a bit what I call pipe and slippers about our faith, you know? It's just, well, we shrug our shoulders, just the way it is, don't we? We've almost accepted with weary resignation and a shrug of the shoulders, ah, it's just the way it is. You know, once I used to be full of joy and energy and now, hmm, it's all gone a bit flat. But you see, Zechariah went from unbelieving cynicism to singing a prophetic song filled with the Holy Spirit in old age. So old age is not an excuse for pipe and slippers in Christianity, right? You know, there's nothing wrong with uh, slippers, by the way. I don't know about a pipe, but I don't know why I'm adding pipe to it. But you know what I mean, the sort of comfy slippers approach. I've got comfy slippers, nothing wrong with those. But I mean that sort of comfortable you know, settled in, sort of nothing new to learn approach to Christianity is not what God wants us. He wants, he has fresh joy, fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit for all of us. Isn't that good news? Even for disappointed, weary, cynical, unbelieving people like Zechariah, he's still in the business of bringing transformation. That's good news, isn't it? Some of us think, oh, there's too, been too much water under the bridge. There's been too much disappointment, but God can bring joy into your life, even with what you've been through. Zechariah was weary and cynical and unbelieving. How can I be sure of this, he said. But just listen to the transformation the Holy Spirit brought. Verse 67, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a man who'd been rendered deaf and mute this is a man who didn't believe God's promise. And now listen to the difference the Holy Spirit makes. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, and so on and so on. He, this song of prophetic joy bubbles out of this man, even in his old age. Don't you want some of that? Don't you want some of that joy, some of that Holy Spirit power to fill you so that the praise and joy and happiness and contentment of God bubbles out of your mouth in songs of praise? Don't you want more of that? God has more of that. If you'll come to him this morning and say, look, Lord, I want to grow. I want to be open to more of your spirit. I have questions, Lord. I don't have everything worked out, but you know I love you. I trust you. May it be to me, as you've said, I am the Lord's servant. If you'll come humbly like Mary, pondering these things with a willingness and openness to grow and be filled, God loves to fill you with joy, with his spirit, so that fresh praise, fresh joy bubbles out of your mouth. Even in the midst of an Omicron Christmas, God wants to give us joy. Do we believe that this morning? 
God wants to fill our mouths with laughter and joy. God wants to put praise on our lips as to how wonderful he is. The, the word um, that Steve picked up on, and I'm so glad he did in this passage, is salvation. We're going to be singing about that salvation in a minute. Time and time again through Zechariah's song, the word salvation comes again and again and again. God has saved us in Jesus. He's rescued us from sin and death, and he's brought us into life. He's brought us into a life of contentment, joy, meaning, purpose. That's the good news of Christmas. Whatever happens in our world, in our community, whatever Omicron does, nothing can take away the joy that is in us by the Holy Spirit. Nothing can take away our salvation in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that wonderful? The light has shone in the darkness and it will never be extinguished until we go to glory. We have good news and nothing can stand in the way of that good news. So we are to rejoice. Whatever our circumstances, we are to rejoice. And you know, Paul says, as we rejoice, the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we choose and make the decision to rejoice, whatever is going on around us, however we feel, if we give thanks to God and sing praises to him, you, you will be filled with the peace and joy of God. It's a decision, it's a choice. So when you're out for a walk, sing his praise. When you're in the shower, sing his praise. In your prayers, when you read the Bible each morning, pray out praise and thanksgiving for your salvation. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have so much to give thanks for. So let's give thanks. And as we give thanks, we are promised that God will fill us with his peace and joy. It's not an option. It's something that we choose to do. And as we choose to rejoice, so he will fill us afresh. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that it's okay to have questions and doubts. But Lord, help us to be like Mary. Help us to be the sort of people, Lord, who wrestle with doubts and questions. But we go deeper with you, Lord, in our faith. We find more joy, more peace, more rest, more humility in you. So, Lord, take us on a journey. Grow us more. Lord, rescue us from weariness and cynicism and disappointment. Lord, help us not to be comfortable with where we've got to in our faith. Help keep us from plateauing. Lord, take us deeper into you. Grow us just as you grew Mary and you grew Zechariah and Elizabeth through struggles and sufferings. Lord, deliver us from disappointment and cynicism. Fill us afresh with the joy and power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, even where we struggle, even in our sufferings, even in our doubts, fill us afresh that we might know that you are with us and that you love us. Lord, may your peace guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.